Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Trust and Believe. I'm your host, Shanti, and today's guest, Arnel Cavario, is going to be talking about toxic positivity. He has a doctorate in occupational therapy from USC, and he is going to give you tips on how to be positive and communicating with other people and communicating with yourself. You all need to hear this because we've all been guilty of toxic positivity. So get ready to trust and believe on how to communicate in a better way. Somebody say it again. This is Sean T, and it's time to trust and believe. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. First and foremost, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, Sean. First of all, it's good to see your face. Um, just so many exciting things happening right now. The first and foremost being your birthday that <laughs> just passed. So, um, yeah, it's always good to be in your good energy. And, yeah, I just love seeing you. All is good. Awesome. So, all right. So one of the reasons why I'm so excited to have you on the podcast is there are a lot of people out there who are very nice. Like, there are people out there who are very nice, but you are nice from the core. I don't think there's, a like, a mean bone in your body. Maybe there is, but... And I've always just been, you know, enamored by the way you treat people, by the way you speak to people, and it's, it just comes across so positive. And, like, I know ev- not everyone's perfect, but even just your social media is just so giving, And then, you know, we had a conversation a few weeks ago just about positivity. And I actually saw you talk about toxic positivity and Mm -hmm. it's been on my mind a lot lately. And it's been, it's been really kind of stressing me out because there are people that I see that I know, and this may sound a little judgmental, but the way that they talk to people just seems a little more condescending than helpful. And then I hear people throwing around the the term toxic positivity. And so I kind of wanted to really dive into that. So people out there can really know the message that they're getting from people and knowing how to kind of interpret the other person's intentions, because that's, that's where a lot of confusion happens. So can you give me the definition of toxic positivity? 
So, so we, we both know um, because we, we do believe, believe in positivity. We be, believe in, you know, spreading good energy and, you know, affirming ourselves and helping other people affirm themselves in their own words, just spreading good vibes. Uh, but toxic positivity is when you minimize another person's experience by basically asserting your positivity over their real lived human experience, right? So uh, some of those things come across like, look on the bright side, or, you know, I'm, I'm guilty of using this good vibes only, you know what I mean? <laughs> where, um, where maybe the intent is to, you know, bring a lot of light and love into the space, but when it's done in a way that minimizes other people or that shuts other people's other possibilities of what they're living or experiencing out, um, and it comes across, like you said, condescending or minimizing, um, that's where it's really harmful. And especially during this time, um, after what we the year we had last year and <laughs> continued into this year, where it's really a moment of um, a lot of people going through different struggles and a lot of people going through radical healing as well. Um, it's really, really, um, really, really important that we don't step into those realms where we try not to of that toxic positivity because it's really an over-assertion of what I'm feeling over what you're feeling. <laughs> you know what I mean? If you could give me like an example that you see on social media that people are doing that you're like, that's that's not necessarily mm -hmm. being positive. It's toxic positivity. When like a news comes out and someone lost their job, or you know there, or something, you know, an incident happened that we see on the news, and someone says, "Look on the bright side. It could be worse." Or you know, <laughs> I mean, things like that, where instead of creating that space for understanding, you know, allowing um, people to grieve or just process loss. Or something, they're basically saying it. It's all good. There's always something to be grateful for. You know what I mean? Yes, of course, there's always something to be grateful for. But in this moment right now, we're expressing something that we're experiencing that that's challenging. And a lot of times, we talk a lot about privilege, right? So sometimes when people are doing this toxic positivity, it's almost over asserting or using their privilege in a way that isn't helpful but really harmful. I think that um, it's so interesting. It's one of the places where I just realized where we align in our goodness for people because mm -hmm. one, that's one of the things that really frustrates me about the human experience. Like if I need to go through an emotion or if I'm, you know, upset about something and people are like, it could be worse or, you know, you don't have to be mad because, you know, at least you have a car. And I'm just like, so why are you negating my emotion? This has nothing to do with the car. This is nothing to do with the fact that I have a house. Mm -hmm. This is everything to right. do with my experience right now. And I've always been looking for the understanding to that because a lot of people think that that's okay. But I think that that is okay for people because they're not experiencing that at that moment. That's exactly like, and we hear these terms like tone deaf, right? Where they're just like, or the blind spots, right? Where because they don't experience that, they don't, their human lived experience can't connect to whatever someone is sharing. They just gloss over it like, 
it's all good. You're going to be okay. You know, look forward to brighter days ahead, you know, versus really like, okay, you know what? I don't understand that. Can you help me understand that? How can I support you? Um, that's one of the things I admire a lot about you is you're all about communication, you know, your direct communication. And I feel that um, if people were more willing to hold space to truly hold space for someone in, in their totality of their experience. Um, we wouldn't see a lot of these toxic positivity uh, <laughs> incidences where people are just more about telling you what they think versus listening to what you have to say, you know, and, yeah. you know, good communication is not just expressing, but it's also holding space and being a really good active listener too. Right. But what do you say to those people? Because there will be people that combat toxic positivity, right? They'll say, mm-hmm. oh, well, you you got into a car wreck. You know, your car's total, but at least you're okay. They're saying, well, I'm just telling them to look at the bright side. Why is it bad for me to tell somebody to look at the bright side? Well, how would you respond to that person? Um, I think there's like just such a difference between saying – I'm glad you're okay. You know, how, tell me, how are you feeling versus it's the assertion over assertion of what you're thinking over holding space for what they're really experiencing. I feel like that's the thing is like, we're sometimes in such a fast paced world that we don't always hold space. You know what I mean? We're, we're just quick to tell our opinion, give our advice, but sometimes we just need to like really get into the practice of just listening right? Giving, yeah, you can affirm someone, you can, you can say something positive in the situation, but also holding space for the, the challenging parts of that situation, the challenging parts of one's journey, you know? Um, I think the, that's why I really, really like believe that the best communicators are the ones who use both their mouth and their ears. Mm. <laughs> right? Well, it's interesting because I was, um, I was having a conversation about communication and I was just even talking about at a time where I wasn't a great communicator, especially between me and Scott. And a lot of it was dealing with my own, people call them demons or my own baggage. It's just really interesting because I think there is a lot of times where we only listen and we either only listen to ourselves and not listen to the other person. Or, you know, to your point, like if you don't hear somebody, then you can't feel somebody. It's like almost like if someone is like being toxically positive toward me, I then have to in some way validate why I feel this way. Okay, so we're all human. And so the things that come out of our mouths come from love based or fear based, right? And so sometimes like when we're expressing what we're um, feeling, um, Whether we choose love-based, which is an open space of understanding, feeling like we can just um, express freely and safely, or we're having to like over-explain because we're fearing being misunderstood, it all depends on the the tone and the way the person is asking you the question. Mm. We'll respond accordingly, right? And so that's where toxic positivity gets, we get in trouble because they're they're like sealing off a certain way and making you feel even bad for feeling bad. You know what I mean? When really if it's coming from a love-based way, instead of saying you should you should do this or like look on the bright side or it's all good, you know, you're 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 stressing out, you know. Um, 
instead of saying like, I'm glad you're okay, but like, help me understand, you know, I, I'm not understanding. I want to know what's going on. You know what I mean? And then yeah. opening up that space for understanding. And then that like, that's when the love based everything fills the fills the space because I'm gonna respond in a love based way because the person's asking me in a love based way. Uh, when someone's more like. I gotta get my opinion, or I gotta like, oh, I don't have time for this negative energy, so I'm just gonna like squish this right now and be like, you should be happy you're alive from that car accident. You know, you walked away good. There's a lot of people that have died in car. You know, that's yeah. not really helping the situation. That's asserting like, I only have time for this, so I'm gonna tell you what I think. Let's talk about me now, or let's talk yeah, about something yeah. else, right? And that's what, like when we think we think about like these new apps, even like Clubhouse, right, and these other ones where, you know, there's a lot more dialogue. Uh, I see toxic positivity seeping into those space uh, because people are really trying to assert themselves, and and it's interesting where you see people asserting themselves in a way that oppresses other people instead of what you hope would be uplifting and creating spaces for understanding. So I just kind of want to switch gears because I don't know if this is toxic positivity or not, but this is another thing that really annoys me. So I have a friend who's moving home and she's like having trouble moving and they're like, oh, what are you, why are you upset? Like you, like... You, you're going to have this great house. You're going to have this. We're going to be close to us. And she's like, everybody's so much so worried about them. They're not worried about the process of my emotion. Is that considered yeah. toxic positivity too? That's a really strong example of it because life is the ebbs and flows of like joy and grief and processing. Right. And so, yeah, she might be, she might be excited to move with her family. She might be excited about this new house, but she also has to grieve certain things that are different about her life or certain things that she's also having to let go. And so people need to be given the permission to be happy and grieving at the same time in the mm. same situation, because that's a totality of being a human being. You know, in one situation, we can be overjoyed, grateful, you know, and filled with love and also at the same time be grieving aspects that are different than we expected are still grieving a part that, you know, um, just as different than we had hoped it would be, you know? And so I feel like we as human beings need to be given permission to experience and express the totality of our human lived experience. It's yeah. not, it's never one thing. It's usually a combination of many, many things, right? I always tell people, that's like one of my mantras, like we are the brilliant, we're a mosaic of many different extraordinary parts. Mm. And all of those experience makes is what makes us special. And some of those parts are happy, strong, vibrant. And some of those other parts, you know, are sad and are healing from trauma or, you know, is still grieving, you know, and that the totality, of all of that is, is our brilliance, you know, cause we can use all of those experiences to, to help other people, to empathize with other people, you know what I mean? To show up and hold space for people. Yeah, I was going to say when she actually told me, are you happy and I want to support you? And I just kind of went and she actually broke down crying because it was just like yeah. a lot for her. And yeah. so, you know, my first thing is, oh, well, let's, you know, let's go through this. Let's let's talk about mm -hmm. why you're sad. Let's, you know, and she actually didn't tell me the other story about how everyone else is like negating her feelings. I think it's completely disrespectful for people to overlook 
the process that she needs for their own happiness. It's like, what are you crying for? And I, it just, it makes me so mad because they don't understand that it definitely leaves someone out there to be lonely. And, and Mm -hmm. while, like we talked about before, while you're making this decision because yeah, maybe the overall positives outweigh the negatives, right. Of doing Mm -hmm. it there's still sometimes a rough road and it's still sometimes a rough choice. And so, um, yeah, the optics of it, right. The optics, the, everything looking on the outside, looking in looks amazing. Right. But when you actually truly hold space, no one held space for her. And that's why she had an explosion of emotions because people were asserting, they were putting their opinions of their, from their lens of the experience, like on her and not probably holding full, patient space for her to really like show up and tell her, tell people what's going on. And I'm guilty of it too. I mean, how many times have you like seen someone you haven't seen in a long time, but you're on your way into an event or something and you're like, Oh my God, what's up? How are you? But you actually don't really have time for the whole answer. Right. Where you maybe should have said, Hey, it's so good to see you. I want to catch up with you later, but I got to run in. Let's make some time for next week. You know what I mean? So sometimes we, there's life is a lot of those, like, how are you? How are you? But not truly holding the space and you holding that space for her. When the tears come out, that's definitely usually a reflection that no one has truly um, given her the time she needed to fully express everything that's going on. I remember when I used to go to Germany and Europe a lot, my German friends would be like, I hate when Americans do that. They're like, Americans say, how are you? And they don't really know. They don't really want, they just, they just should just say what's up or, yeah. you know, just yeah. hi, you know, cause I agree with you. And I've tried to stop yeah. doing like, how are you? Unless I can really know how you're doing. So there are a lot mm-hmm. of times where I'm just saying, it's good to see you or, Wow, mm-hmm. it's, it's so interesting running into you today. Because I ain't got time to talk to you, and I'm not going to act like I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's better to be real. And, you know, of course, when you really want to catch up with them, you just say, I'll catch up with you later. You know what yeah. I mean? One of the reasons why I wanted to talk to you about toxic positivity is because of what you do every day. You literally have to be a great listener, a great communicator, and just... A great teacher. So can you just tell everyone what you do and, and like from the time you wake up to the time you come home at night? Well, the first thing I do when I get up is I give, give Dustin a kiss. <laughs> that better happen. <laughs> right. Um, but I'm a doctor of occupational therapy. So I work in the school systems with kids with special needs. So it's my job as an occupational therapist to help children who have difficulties with either sensory processing or fine motor, like, you know, being able to write or use their scissors or play skills, help them be able to access their school curriculum, access their school ground safely and, and and more fully and meaningfully. So, so, um, so yeah, every child is different. Some of, most of my kids have autism. Some of my kids have down syndrome and I need to look at each child for I need to understand who they are in school and even outside of, I like to go outside of school. You know, I'd like to talk to the parents. What are their personality? What do they enjoy? So that I can weave that into my therapy sessions to build those skills so that they can succeed in school. And I use every, I try to personalize everything. Like if I know that kid loves 
the game Trouble, right? <laughs> yeah. We will play Trouble because Trouble works on fine motor skills, but we'll do the writing and we're going to earn that Trouble for the last three minutes, last five minutes of the session. So a lot of it is like what I kind of preached at the beginning, you know, before is a lot of it is asking questions, but also being open and fully present to hear all the answers and use the understanding that I gain to provide the best therapy possible. And that's just my philosophy. That's not everyone's, but um, but I like to personalize my approach to every single kid because every kid is special in their own way, right? And I, I also do that with, I'm also a hip hop, you know, a hip hop dancer and dance educator also. And it's the same thing, just like with the way you are with all your workouts and all the programs that you do, I, I have to read a room. You know what I mean? I have to get that energy and then I adjust how I teach according to the energy and what I know of the room. Um, so everything I do between dance and as an occupational therapist is expressing, guiding, but doing a lot of listening and understanding and then being creative in how I deliver whatever I'm doing. And what are some of the things that you have learned in occupational therapy because i think it's you know mm-hmm. being as though you do have kids on the autism spectrum and down syndrome mm-hmm. i mean you really i'm sure yeah. there's been a lot of studies around how to interact with those kids and people in general on how to not make them shy away so what are what are some of the mistakes that people have made in the past and how do they how are they able to um you know correct them especially when you're teaching, toxic positivity can be detrimental to a kid's learning ability, you know, or wanting to learn. I think it's always examining intention and impact, right? So a lot, everything, when I, whether I'm talking to teachers for the first time, working with their kids or working with parents of kids with, you know, special needs um, to work with their kids, I have to let them know my intention And then I always have to like measure whether my impact is what I intended and adjust accordingly. So for example, a kid is having a hard time um, concentrating in school and they're moving around a lot because they're like seeking a lot of sensory experience to be able Mm -hmm. to focus. So I'm going to let the mom know, hey, you know what, like uh, these are a couple of ideas I have in mind to try with with your child. Um, Let's collaborate and decide which one we want to try first. And then I will try it. And then if it works or it doesn't work, you know, we'll have to have that communication versus, hey, this works for autistic kids. I'm going to put the seat cushion on his thing and I'll check back in a week. I'm going to let you know if it works. You know what I mean? That's a very different approach where there's like I'm explaining why I'm collaborating and then I'm executing versus asserting what the studies have shown (laughs) works. And generalizing that all kids, it's going to work for all kids. You know, I'm personalizing it and I'm also holding, leaving space for understanding, for readjustment, you know what I mean? And personalizing it for that kid. I feel like if we can do that just in conversations and how we treat people, understanding that each person has a different human lived experience. So we don't need to like throw what we know to their situation. We need to like understand first then we can offer our advice our suggestions our perspectives but when it comes down to it that's that person's human lived experience that's not yours ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer 
Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I was going to say, you know, what is the difference between communicating with a full-grown adult (laughs) and a child. But I think it's all in the same. Like we individually have an experience. We have the baggage. We have have the good times. We have the bad times. And it all formulates whatever the movie of our life is to get us to the current, the present place. And the same thing with the children you teach every day. I'm wondering why is it so hard for people to make that a priority first? You know, why is it so hard for people to make someone else's experience a priority first? Like, the first thing I do is I put myself in that person's shoes and I'm like, wow, you know, but why do you think people don't do that first? I think it's some people lack empathy. (laughs) Right? I feel like when you've been through, for when you've been through a myriad of struggles, you know what I mean? Because of your human lived experience and you have empathy for other people outside your lived experience, mm. then you have more space. You you tend to have more space for under, being more understanding and patient with people. Um, when I feel like sometimes, and this is not everyone, but some people um, are so used to living in a more narrow <laughs> tunnel um, experience tunnel yeah <laughs> no tunnel vision like very much in their privilege um, that they don't have as much capacity for empathy for other people they don't tend to want to listen to what they have to say that's just just been my experience I feel like people who show more have more capacity for empathy tend to um stray away from toxic positivity and are a little bit more open to the full spectrum of what a, someone's experience is. Um, and of course, we're not always, we, we don't always have time, but again, you can make time later. You know what I mean? They still have an intention to make time later, if not in the moment. Yeah. So my next question was, you kind of alluded to it. It's how much do you think having the world at our fingertips enhances the toxic positivity because now we can order food we can double tap and move on because i think i've gotten into there was a while ago before the pandemic right and like kind of leading into the pandemic when everyone was home i would start to find myself just like double tapping but not giving even the double tap the energy of somebody's post and now i make a point to read every word of a post. And before I comment, you know, I think I actually think to myself, you know, how is this going to make this person feel? I'll put myself in, but you know, we can order food. We can order, we can damn near order a car. I think one of the, what is that car? So one of those places, (laughs) right? Yeah. So how much do you think technology has enhanced toxic positivity, if you will? We all know that, you know, social media is only a part 
of a person. It's not the totality of a person because not everyone shows all spectrums of their their true human lived experience. And I have to say, uh, before last year, I, I was a little like concerned about the fact that people are just over asserting themselves and this toxic positivity was rampant. Even myself, mm-hmm. I, I remember using the hashtag good vibes only all the time, you know, mm-hmm. um, but I feel like something, there's a lot of awakening last year. (laughs) I think maybe it's a combination of everyone being going through this pandemic at the same time and having to sit with themselves (laughs) more and having these like very colorful discussions with their family members and who their friends are and also reassessing who are our true peeps who are showing up for us, you know. Um, I feel like there's a lot more realness coming out and people showing other sides to of themselves um through these like social media platforms um but is there still toxic positivity absolutely (laughs) it's still there um because like i said before i feel like when people have a very narrow view of what the world is or a very privileged view of what the world is they don't have room for something that makes them feel uncomfortable. They don't have room for that, for something that challenges their privilege. Um, but I see a lot of people using their privilege to help other people now. You know, I do see more of people speaking up about mental health, um, about all the sides of the spectrum. Even toxic positivity pops up, obviously, on Instagram as well. I and, just saw it right? like yesterday. Like, <laughs> I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, I'm pretty sure that there are some people out there who look at the phrase toxic positivity and they're like, well, how is not that being toxically positive? You know, because it's like, you know, so how would you defend toxic positivity? Yeah, I would just say, like, there is nothing wrong with being positive. You know what I mean? Like, being positive is an amazing thing. But when it is done in a way that um, minimizes another person's experience or or, um, puts people down or closes off other people or oppresses other people, that's where it becomes toxic. Mm -hmm. And so that's that's the distinction, really is when when you're just expressing something you're happy you're sharing joy that's amazing like do that you know what i mean but when it comes to saying making statements that connect that relate to other people's experience if you're doing it in a way that minimizes or or uh, shuts off um the understanding of that other person's experience that's where it's problematic and so that's where we have to just check ourselves and we're all humans. So it's not like we're always going to be perfect in how we show positivity to the world. That's why we have our loved ones to kind of like, let us know, you know what I mean? And we also check in with ourselves too. Right. Um, But overall it's really about oppression. You know what I mean? Is what you're saying, oppressing someone else's ability to say what they need or share what they need or, show up fully as they are. And if that yeah. is happening, that's where intention does not match the impact. So the intent, and we just have to be accountable. If we say something toxic, that's toxic positivity, we need to own it. We need to apologize. And then if it's appropriate, we can explain our perspective and then offer an idea for a solution. You know what I mean? But but we when we just say what we have to say, We show up from a fear-based place now defending everything we have to say, and we're not leaving space for understanding what the other person's experience is in this situation. 
then that's toxic positivity and there's there's just no uh there's, there's no, no way around it ands about it <laughs> <laughs> well you know it's so interesting you say that maybe i'm just going to use this moment as a venting session so you know i'm from the hood like you know my family was on government assistance and we didn't have a lot of money and so when you know my infomercial came on tv years ago you know, I started making money. I mean, I didn't buy a house right away. I didn't, you know, I didn't like live lavishly right away or anything like that because I, you know, I was just like, oh my God, like this is crazy. But then when I did start to say, oh, like I have a career in this and I can, I'm, and I've developed a way to make this like a longer lasting career. And I remember there were times where, you know, I bought you know, a bigger house and, you know, an extra car and I had some extra bills because you can afford more. And so people would, and my family would be like, can I borrow $500? And then, so I would say, I don't have it because, you know, I actually have to pay these bills. And they would be like, look at how you're living. Like, I'm, and I'm, I think this is, I'm using this as a venting session. And for those of you out there who may have been this person like me, or maybe you have treated someone else this way, it's just really not fair. Just because someone is elevating themselves, not better or worse than anybody else but they're just like pushing themselves to the next level of who they want to be and maybe they don't live the way that they used to or maybe their relationship is a little better than it was before doesn't mean they can't vent or still have issues you know right. and struggles through where they are at that very moment yeah that's a gr another great example from a different point of view where they're not understanding the totality of what you're experiencing yeah you may have more money and you may have this but you also probably have more bills you have more expectations more you're, money more problems you know that's right <laughs> how do they know you're not helping someone else who is in dire need the problem with that is there is again jumping to a minimized assumption mm of your human lived experience. And that's not fair to anyone. Any, no matter if you are successful from the optics looking in, you know what I mean? Like it does not matter. Anytime we place our opinion on another person's human lived experience without fully understanding our, our there's like a judgment and a assumption placed, that's toxic. That's not what we need. We need more understanding. We need more healing. We need more human connection. People need to remember when this pandemic hit, what is the one, what are the things you missed the most immediately? That was human connection. Mm -hmm. Yeah, human interaction, have like sharing and listening and connecting on a deep level in person with that energy and that, that full presence. That's what people missed. You know, when we get busy and everything opens up again, we need to be careful that we're not running into this quickness of life, this shortness where we're just, we don't have time to understand. So we're just going to, this is what I think you're going through or like, just get over it. You're being dramatic. You know what I mean? All those microaggressions, mm. right? Instead, we, I hope that we remember what we were scared to lose or that we missed mm. the most. And we apply that so that we are different. Well, that we'll never be the same again. You know, that, you know, all the disadvantages of immediate, you know, things provided through technology, right? That made us speed up so fast to the point where toxic positivity was just a normal everyday thing. <laughs> that maybe yeah. now we're going back to basics of being better humans and listening to each other more and understanding each other more beyond what we know. I'm going to put you on a spot here because yeah. 
you know, while there may have been a lot of families that still got together during Thanksgiving last year, I think, you know, more than half the country didn't. And so, yes, I think mm-hmm. that's where a lot of drama happens in, in just in your home or when families eventually get together. And so to eliminate toxic positivity, to bring peace and healing to a family, what are some activities that families can do like immediately when they get together? Before they get around the dinner table and before they get into the gossip of he said, she said, what are some things that they can do like to break the ice in the family to just kind of bring peace and love and understanding to the family? Because yeah. I just feel like, you know, pent up aggression is real. And, yes, it is. <laughs> and that happens from misunderstanding. It all happens yeah. from misunderstanding. So what do you think some families can do when they start to like meet up again and, and really fellowship with each other? Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. So I think, okay, and, and you talked about this before, um, I think in an IG Live or a podcast about love languages. Oh, yeah, you and Scott talked about love languages right so we need to understand in a family and also every culture they have there's a dominant love language you know what i mean um or there are dominant love languages within the family dynamic and so for example in filipino culture it's acts of service my mom cooks for me she will you know my mom my parents picked me up and brought me to all my rehearsals for <laughs> for band or dance practice or whatever, you know, um, all those acts of love. But did I ever hear I love you my entire life? No, I didn't. That was an adult thing that was brought in more from my American upbringing that I brought into the space. Mm-hmm. We basically, all our siblings had to say it to our parents a bunch of times for them to get comfortable saying it back to us. And then that became part of our you know, family culture. So in, if I'm just going to use my family as an example, um, sitting around a table and like the way me and Dustin do, where we pull like, you know, question cards and, you know, we have these like deep talks, that's not going to work in my family. You know what I mean? Because verbal expression is not it. You know what I mean? It's, it's like, it's more like acts of service is our dominant thing. So maybe for our family, it's going to be mainly cooking together. You know what I mean? It's going to be, you know, cleaning the house, the yard together. You know, it's going to be an activity together that maybe will lead to some conversations afterwards or during. You know what I mean? So I think families have to take a hard look at 
the love languages that are dominant in the family and then start there because it's not going to be the round table discussion right after the, right at the, from the beginning. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, especially gosh. if that culture is not, does not operate from, from that um, mode of expressing love. I just yeah. had this, like you're saying, like, you're talking about your family and I'm listening, but I'm also yeah. processing my family. And so I just mm-hmm. had the craziest revelation. <laughs> So, you know, we, so, you know, Scott and I did our love language. I actually talked about this a couple of times, but so we did our love language and my love language is not, you know, words of affirmation. It's not acts of service. It's okay. But quality time is my thing. Right. So, yeah, but I never Mm -hmm. really knew that. And I was just thinking of my family. And so I'm actually going to New York uh, next week. You know, I, I talked to my family and I was like, what do you guys want to do? Like, you know, I want to do this or whatever. And I was just like, you know what? I should just like get an Airbnb and just have all my family come and we have a cookout and whatever. And immediately everyone was like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah." And I just realized that I believe that my family's um, love language is quality time because Mm -hmm. I don't think that like, yeah, we have a lot Mm -hmm. of like, we do have a lot of things in our family that if it were to be talked about, it could be like heavy and stuff. But I feel like a lot of people heal with us just being together. And personally, and I don't know if this is like a negative thing, but I always like look down upon that. Like I always like, we need to talk about it. We need to talk about it. But, you know, I have had conversations with my mom about certain things, which has been great. Yeah. But I think quality time at least brings a sense of healing. And I'm just like, wow. So maybe it's like finding just your family's love language, like you said, that can be really beneficial. And even just with my friends, like even Alex, who produced the podcast and Steve, like, you know, it's like, for me, I don't necessarily, it's not necessarily what I'm going to like say to them when I see them or, you know, them giving me a gift because they haven't, I'm just like, let's just go to an Italian restaurant, hang out and have wine. Like, I'm so excited. So it's, yeah. it's just validating my personal love language, yes. which is quality time, which is so weird, you know? And it's, it's so weird, and it's but interesting. Like good. Yeah, it's good. It's good to, when you know it, it's good because it's good to have these concepts to apply. And also our love languages are different. Like my love languages, my family is different than my love language with Dustin, which is going to be my different love language than you as my friend, you know? Um, so it's always interesting to look at these love languages and even to talk about it sometimes, you know, with your different people in your life. And one, taking one other a step further, how you receive love is sometimes different than how you also like to give love. Mm. Right. So for me, (laughs) I'll just use Dustin as an example. (laughs) How I like to receive love from him is definitely what we have in common is we quality time is for sure. Like we quality time is definitely something we have in common. But I do like to receive gifts from him because from him particular, because like getting a jewelry from him is meaningful for me because when I wear it, it carries the energy of him. And I love keeping it close to me. Now with my family, I appreciate the acts of service, you know, because all that's how we grew up you know? And so it's different. And how I like to give, I love giving words of affirmation, which, you know, (laughs) I like to give words of affirmation, but receiving it, I'm always a little like weird about it. But it's so interesting. It's interesting because it's funny for your birthday, Dustin actually said, he's like, I like showering him with gifts is like the best thing. Like it's it's interesting (laughs) that he knew that. And I'm not, with anyone, words of affirmation is just not my thing. Like, I'm just like, don't, <laughs> I don't need it. However, 
it's interesting with you. Like when you leave me a video message on the phone, like I can tell like you love it better than text. Like, and I'm, and I have to say to myself, I'm like, this is exactly how he likes to show and express like his love <laughs> for somebody. And because it's not the way I receive best, but like, I have to sit yeah. there and I'm like, I'm going to literally embrace the way he's speaking to me because I know that Arnell is like really feeling what he's saying. So it's just like really cool to like, you know, yeah. experience that from your side as well. I, I really love how, you know, we touched on toxic positivity, but we also, there's also a solution and yes. just getting people yeah. to be able to not just look at it as like either I'm receiving this the wrong way or I'm doing this the wrong way, but how to communicate with someone and how to receive communication, if you will. But I like to ask all my guests, like, what is your definition of trust and believe? And, and the reason why I'm excited to hear yours is because you definitely work with a broad scope of people and different types of people. And so what is your definition of trust and believe? I think trust and believe, I see it um, both inwards and outwards. Uh, inwards being that you have to trust yourself and you have to believe in your unique purpose in the world, mm. your voice, what your soul is telling you, you know, what your heart is telling you. Um, and then trust and believe is also how, how do your actions and your words, both your actions and your words, um, convey an energy that allows other people to trust and believe you. Mm. You know what I mean? Um, what And it's usually, it can't be exclusive. It can't just be your words. It needs to be your words and your actions. Mm -hmm. And so, um, yeah, I think it's an inward uh, process and it's an, an, an outwards giving process. And I feel like maybe if the world does a little bit more of both, um, we'll have a, a better future to look forward to. Well, I think it's, it all comes down to communication being action-oriented. Like, to receive and to give yeah. is both an action, and you have to commit yes. to it 100%. Arnell, mm -hmm. thank you so <laughs> much for being here. You, are, I'm just, I'm so excited for people to hear this. I mean, I just, I'm just, I'm so excited people were able to hear you talk and just to hear how they can really help themselves be better to other people and also help themselves know how they should be treated by other people and and the lesson that the lesson and the solution to be able to make you know you know positive interaction a part of their daily lives so thank you so much thank you for having me so much love and respect for you and all you're doing love you, <laughs> I love you. I love you.